pray that the Lord will add his blessing to his word as we share together. The truth is, next Sunday, we are going to begin the process of reopening our time with two Sunday services at 9.15 and 11 a.m. You'll be used to that, and we can gather again. And it is, of course, fitting that we gather together because it's going to be Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church, and I can't wait. But in preparation for that morning, I want to do something a bit unusual with my message and begin to talk with you what I believe that day is going to look like and on what basis we as a people are going to move forward. But first, I want to just begin this way. I want to say how very grateful I am to the Lord. In Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, Jeremiah wrote these words. He said, because of the Lord's great love for us, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now again, I am very much looking forward to seeing some of your faces. Any of you who know me very well know that I'm not uh, terribly excited about preaching to a camera. I am most excited about the fact that I'll be preaching to people instead of penguins in the next few weeks. Yet, my prayer has been, every time that I've approached this pulpit, Lord, though I may preach in an empty sanctuary, please don't let me be an empty preacher. May my head be filled with your words, my mouth filled with your truth, my heart filled with your love, my person filled with your spirit, and my life filled with your grace. Well, this morning, I want to rejoice, and I, I, I want you to listen to this because I want you to know when we went into this season, I was fully prepared and preparing myself to perhaps do dozens of funerals and all the intense grief that would come along with that. But God has been gracious to our community. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed and the truth is, we have been spared to a large degree the greatest of tragedies. And so I am grateful, and I approach what I'm about to say to you from that perspective. I think we are ready. I, I, I think it's time. I think we know this. I, I've seen a couple of memes that people have shared on social media that have just kind of made me laugh and, and kind of made this a little bit easier to take. For instance, this one reads, don't believe everything you read on the internet about COVID-19. Bob Dylan, famous drummer from Metallica, something's not quite right about that. I don't even think that's a picture of Bob Dylan. Tom would know. This is, a, this is another meme that I think tells a story. Day 15 of the quarantine, my wife took up some gardening, but she won't tell me what she's going to plant. Maybe that hits a little too close to home as well. Someone said, a, 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 laughter is like a windshield wiper. It won't stop the rain, but it does allow us to keep going. I think we're ready to keep going. Proverbs 24.10 says, in the, in the, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is limited. The truth is we have gone through a day of adversity, but we have found, rather, that our strength is not limited. God has sustained us. We have learned that our strength, in fact, is far greater. 
Paul again writes, and listen again to that scripture where he piles up all the alls and everys and, and it magnifies the significance. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. All things, all times, all needs, every good work. That is our God. Our God is able, and he has proven himself in this season. But I want you to hear me out. I, I believe that our day of adversity is not quite over. We are moving into what I think, if we're not careful, could be an even greater test for our church. This next phase will be rife with opportunity for division and hurt, frustration and loss. I believe that Satan would love to try to divide Christ's church. In fact, I know he's going to try. But I also believe that this could be a day when the church will shine. And so right now, I want you to ask this question. What kind of day will it be when we reopen? A day of adversity where we become adversaries because we disagree or a day where we open the building but our hearts are open to the unifying glory of God's spirit. I'd like to take the next few minutes with you to very quickly outline seven principles that have been guiding me in the way that I have been thinking about our reopening. I'd like you to just follow along and think this through with me. The first principle is this. Everything has changed. Our, our world is different than just three months ago. We know about the virus, of course, but so much else has changed. The economy has changed. Jobs have changed. Some have lost their jobs. We are walking around now in public places with masks on. There is no baseball. Football is in jeopardy. Schools closed. Now, when we went into this, a lot of us assumed that this was like an extended snow day, a blizzard. It would come and we would soon stay home, but soon we would be back to our routines. And snow days aren't always bad, let's face it. Yeah, you have to shovel your drive, but to be able to, to sit back and relax and, and drink some hot chocolate, that's not so bad. I don't think, however, this was really a blizzard. I read one article that compared it to more like a, an ice age. Now, I'm not ready to agree with that notion quite yet, but I do think it's important to recognize that we are in a rather long, extended winter. Spring will come, the days will get longer, but right now, everything has changed. And that means that we as a church have to think differently. The assumptions upon which we have done ministry and have done ministry for years have changed. I never thought I would be a televangelist, and yet that's exactly what I've become. If, if you see me get out a prayer cloth and start hawking it for a donation of $120 or get a meal prep kit and, and, and say, hey, you send me 90 bucks and I'll send this to you, you'll know I've gone too far. But the reality is that, yes, everything has indeed changed. And in some ways, we've got to realize as a church, we're kind of starting over. 
And so I want to talk to you very practically about what some of those changes are going to look like in the coming weeks as we return to gathering. And I'll do that in just a moment because I want to also tell you something else. While everything has changed, the second principle that leads me is this. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Our mission as a church has not changed. Our mission is still to love people to life in Jesus Christ. Our core values remain intact. Found people, find people. Save people, serve people. Growing people change within. Love people, don't do life alone. Bless people, give like God. Alive people, worship Jesus. None of that has changed. God is still on his throne. We are one day closer this morning to his return. Jesus Christ still saves sinners like me. God wants a personal relationship with anyone who hears my voice this morning. That is all. That is all true. It is not changed. And so we know this to be true. God even uses adversity in our lives to reveal his power to us. For in the day of adversity, we might faint, but... but those who lean on him, they are strong. So nothing has changed at all. Everything has changed, but nothing has changed. Now the third principle that I've been thinking about is this, and I want you to know this. COVID-19 is dangerous, and we as a church must continue to take it seriously. Now, hear me out. That is not a political statement. It's not a faith statement. There is still much that we do not know about this virus. I do not and will not pretend to be an expert. I am not an epidemiologist or an economist or a scientist or even a politician. I am certainly not all-knowing, and I am not always right. We're going to learn and develop new methods of approach over the coming weeks, I'm sure, but right now, it is right and proper to be careful. This virus has caused people, many people, to die. What we do know is that when this crisis began, we were asked to socially distance. The reason, of course, and you've heard this a thousand times, to flatten the curve. And I'm happy to say, to a large extent, we were able to do that. But I think a lot of people have fallen into the idea that social distancing was meant to stop the viral spread. Listen, it was never going to do that. It was meant to slow it while we put medical infrastructure into place. And again, for the most part, we've been able to do that. Where, where, where our hospitals and frontliners were not overwhelmed. And, 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 and as a result, in the meantime, our our testing procedures have improved. We've increased ventilator access. We've seen the supply of personal protective equipment increase. And many, of course, have helped out by making masks and gowns. Now, the reality is, it's not perfect. A vaccine is still a long way off. Perhaps some herd immunity can be developed. But that in itself means that many of us are going to be exposed to this virus. And so in the coming days, as things open up, yes, I fully expect to see those numbers increase. 
but we still must take it seriously. Because the fourth principle is this. Therefore, we must seek to protect the most vulnerable among us. I thought a lot about this. I've determined, listen, when I wear a mask, that is not for me, but for you. The prevailing notion right now, we may find, by the way, that it does no good at all. So what? Right now, it is a symbol about how we care about others. Now, not everybody agrees. Not everybody has to. But when you see me wear a mask in church or in public, it's not because I like wearing a mask. And by the way, sometimes I forget to do so. And it's certainly not a, an idea about my faith in God and his ability to protect me. I'm doing that because I want other people to know that I love them. It's that simple. In scripture, we can talk about liberty, and we should, and we ought to think about liberty issues. But in scripture, liberty is always about a freedom to love one another. So as we gather next week, we are going to protect our most vulnerable. So listen, I'm going to say something I never imagined I'd be saying in church. I want to encourage many of you not to come to church, at least for a while. Because we love you. Now I'm not saying don't give to the church. And I'm certainly not saying don't go to another church. But hear me. If you are in that most vulnerable category. then And you know who you are. You know where that lines up. Then you know that we also miss you. But in no way do we want you to feel obligated to be here. And by the way, if you are maybe outside of that vulnerable category, but you still feel uncomfortable, it's okay. We love you. We'll miss you. But stay at home. I also want you to know we're spending thousands of dollars and working very hard to fix technical issues so that we can improve our live stream and allow for uh, extra cameras so that we can give those who are watching at home the most intimate ability to be a part of our worship as possible. We, and I, I, I know that I genuinely care about you. But secondly, if you come, and again, I'm not going to force this issue, but I would ask you to consider to wear a mask, at least for now. Next Sunday, our volunteers and our staff will all be wearing them, except when they are on the platform here leading. And again, that's to set an example. Right now, a mask is a tangible way to say, I love you, and I am willing to take a little inconvenience and a little discomfort to protect my neighbor. For now. That's all. Now, fifth, I want to say this. We must use caution, but we also have to plan to move forward. It's time to get moving, and this is going to involve some changes, and I guarantee you that this is going to change from week to week. And if you're like me, I don't like change. And so this may be difficult. But let me outline for you very quickly what I expect, for instance, next Sunday will look like. First, again, we will have two services, both 9.15 and 11 a.m. We're so glad to have Ben with us, and he will continue to lead us in worship. He'll be glad to see some of you for the first time. In each service, you can expect that 
Every other row has been removed in the sanctuary to allow for physical distancing. Families should sit together. Now, again, this will be hard because many of you are going to want to hug and, and, and shake hands because you haven't seen one another for so long. We're still going to, to encourage and ask that you practice physical distancing. We will limit the, the sanctuary to 100 people. But we will also allow for an overflow live stream in the Family Life Center. So some may indeed come to church and participate in worship from the FLC. Now you need to know this. We won't be offering coffee, and maybe the worst of all, we won't have mints either in the back. But we will try to limit, therefore, surface contact. So when you come in, volunteers will be there to open the door for you. Restroom doors, where appropriate, will be open. We will not take an offering, but we still will encourage you to give. We'll have offering boxes out in the atrium marked, labeled clearly. We also won't be passing out bulletins, which will be a big change. But instead, we'll have a virtual bulletin that you can dial up on your cell phone. Sanitation stations will be throughout the building. And maybe this is the most difficult thing for me. But for now, we will not be offering a children's ministry option. Now, some rooms for parents will be made available to use if they so choose but that will be on a limited basis. And during each service, we will have a children's message. Believe me, we are diligently seeking out ways to offer ministry to our kids, both online and maybe some, in some other creative ways. But right now, we're just not prepared to do that ministry at the level that we need to. Now, as far as our youth ministry, we've talked a lot about this. But junior and senior high will be permitted to meet in the upper room at 11 a.m. That is because I believe that our young people are mature enough to understand that physical distancing will still be required. However, that could change. If that doesn't seem to be uh, working out like we expect, then we might have to make a change. But I know they want to meet together, and we want them to be together. Now, of course, we've talked about various growth groups and encourage you to meet as your group is comfortable. And you can even meet at the church here. We've upgraded our custodial presence and we'll be able to sanitize surfaces on a regular basis. And beginning Tuesday, our offices will reopen their normal hours between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Now, again, I've said everything is subject to change. This may even happen for week from week to week, but I think it's time to move forward. Principle number six, I recognize that there are many grieving in this time. Let's resolve during this season to be patient and gracious toward one another. First, I want to recognize there are those who have lost loved ones. I talked, for instance, with Walt Sheffield this week. His brother, Will, died due to COVID-19, and his sister-in-law is fighting that, that virus presently. Others have lost loved ones during the season, maybe not due to the virus, but 
but they died, and so they were not permitted to grieve in traditional ways. But beyond that, of course, there are other and so many other losses. We, we grieve when change occurs, and if you're like me, I don't like those changes, but, but I think about lost vacations, lost jobs, lost graduations, lost proms, and lost connections. And the truth is, if you know enough about grief, you, you know that it often involves more than sadness. Often there is denial and anger and even frustration. The Bible teaches us we grieve with those who grieve. And we rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's be careful as we celebrate opening up, we are also open to the hurts and real concerns of our family. Let's be Christ-like. And then principle number seven. <laughs> I believe this is an opportunity for the church to shine. But friends, it could also be a potential for a great decline. Again, I am not an epidemiologist, I am not a scientist, a politician, an economist, but I am a pastor, and this I know. I know the Lord does not want his people to be divided over these guidelines or our plans. I remember that just hours before Jesus died, Jesus prayed that his followers would be so united that they would have a positive witness to the world. The Apostle Paul urged his church, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because we're one body and we need each other. Satan would love to try to divide us. He would love to pit us against one another. Because we have a different personal conviction than maybe our neighbor. And it's strong and emotions run deep. They run deep at this time. I've seen examples of Christians bickering with one another on social media, for instance. I'm no longer surprised by the incivility of the world. However, I am deeply disappointed when people who claim to be followers of Christ viciously attack fellow believers with whom they disagree. I saw one believer, for instance, blasted a church leader who planned for their church to reassemble as soon as possible. And he wrote, they were conducting an experiment in human sacrifice. Now, that is uncalled for. On the other hand, a bombastic preacher called those who refused to meet during this lockdown cowardly, compromising, noodleback, good-for-nothing, milk-toast preachers. Again, that should not be. I realize that some of you are going to disagree with me during this season. Half the time I disagree with me, okay? But those who disagree in our approach, let me tell you, you may just be right. But God has called me to lead at this time. Let's be very careful. One hot-tempered Christian excused his lack of self-control by explaining, I can lose my temper quickly, but it's over in a minute. Well, the truth is, so is a tornado, and yet it leaves devastation and all kinds of cleanup afterward. Solomon said, fools give full vent to their rage, 
but the wise bring calm in the end. Romans 12, 18 reminds us, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Because here's the thing. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. And the book of Acts tells us, after they prayed, and I hope you will pray, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What if when we gather together again in this place, that God would do that again? Are we open to that? So whether we gather online or gather here in the sanctuary or maybe in the FLC, my challenge to you is this. Let's be open. Open to the work of his Holy Spirit. Lord, our prayer is this, that this crisis would not shake us, but that you would shake us yet again. Lord Jesus, have your way at North Olmsted Friends Church. Will you pray with me? Father, I am grateful that we have come through this season and we have seen your provision. We've seen your strength. We've seen your mercy. We've seen your people rise up and serve and help and, and, and be so diligent in loving their neighbors. I pray, Lord, as we return to this building, as, as we begin to, to figure out all the technical things, as we come together, Lord, may we have an extraordinary, gracious, and patient spirit with one another. And may the way we love each other be a witness, a bold witness to the world that you are God and you are good. Oh, Lord Jesus, in these days, lead us to yourself. Lord, if there is someone who is listening this morning who does not know you personally, I pray that, Lord, they would be open to your spirit and they would receive you into their lives. That, Lord, they would repent of their sin and accept you as their personal savior. And, Lord, we who have walked with you, maybe for a long time, would continue to demonstrate the grace and the love and the concern and the care of Jesus Christ to all that we come in contact with. We pray for our church, Lord, that her best days are ahead and that during this season, you would shine brightly. I ask this in your precious and beautiful name. Amen and amen.